After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. This one is very exciting. Uh, we just released the top 100 prospects list, the first of 2019, with many to come throughout the year. But it's been a fun day on the site, uh, a lot of stories going up with that list. Uh, and here with me today is Josh Norris. Howdy. And JJ Cooper. Hello. We're going to dive into the list a little bit, talk a little bit about how it was put together, some of the surprises, some of the obvious guys. Uh, I know number one, I don't think anybody was too surprised with who we have shocked, there. Shocked, I said. <laughs> I think Vladdy Jr. was the first unanimous of my era at BA. Yeah, so I mean that's kind of the first thing that I had down here that I wanted to ask you guys about uh, just for everyone so everyone's aware. I sat in on the meeting. I don't have a say on the votes. I don't follow the minor league guys throughout the year like you guys do, uh, but it's a fascinating process and it was fun to kind of see how you guys talk through the players and line them all up. So let's just jump into Vladdy. Number one, the consensus top prospect as you mentioned, Josh, and let's start with you. You've been here less than JJ, and JJ can kind of speak to this to uh, a more lengthy extent, but was it any surprise to you that Vladdy was the consensus number one guy? Were you expecting that? And, and again, who was the closest guy, I guess, in your tenure here at BA? Let me say, I, I think Bryant might have been. I don't remember if Chris Bryant was before me or after me, mm-hmm. but I will say that if Vladdy had not been number one, if there had been someone in that room who had come in with another choice of Vladdy uh, than Vladdy, he would have been shouted down so roundly that it would have rung from the blue mountains of this state. <laughs> yeah. There's there's no there's no no one else was even in close to a consideration, I don't think, than yeah. and, Vladdy. And Maybe JJ, JJ is less strong than that, but I would have loved to I would have had a lot of fun if someone had come in with a well reasoned, thought out argument for why someone else other because okay, let's take the top three. Wander Franco has not made it to full season ball. So let's take Top him. Four. No, I'm saying okay. take gotcha. him out of the discussion. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you could put Wander Franco, great Appy League season, ahead of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., guy who should be in the majors already, who hit 383 <laughs> last year, on the follow-up to a great season the year before, on the follow-up to a great season the year before, on the follow-up to being the number one prospect in baseball, who, by the way, made the Baseball America Top 100 before he ever played a professional game. Something that Wander Franco can also say. Yeah, um, it's funny. We got criticism today. It's like, why do we not put more international guys on <laughs> immediately? And it's like they're pretty aggressive on that. These are sixteen-year-olds. Yeah, they are pretty aggressive on that. But um, that's what I'm saying. So that really leaves you. It's Vlad. It's Eloy, and it's uh, uh, Fernando Tatis. Tatis, who's number two. And even if you give Tatis, because Eloy, you're not get, you cannot give Eloy Jimenez a significant 
defensive bump over Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in any way. Mm -hmm. Even if you have concerns about Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s defense at third base, he plays third base, and Eloy is a left fielder who is not a great left fielder. So if you're going to argue Eloy, you have to argue that Eloy is a better hitter with more or massively more power than Vlad Jr. And mm -hmm. I don't think you can make that argument. Okay, so then you go to shortstop, Fernando Tatis Jr. Shortstop, better than third base as far as defensive value. And, and Tatis is better defensively at shortstop than I would say than Guerrero is at third. Mm -hmm. He's going to play there longer. That said, as good a hitter as Fernando Tatis is, I mean, it's not close. It's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a truly special hitter. Josh, like, what is the... Because I know you've asked this question to guys, and I've asked questions, questions to guys too, but... What's a what is a worst case scenario, barring significant injury or something? But like Vlad Guerrero Jr. just fails to live up to our expectations as a hitter. Then what is he as a hitter? He's merely very good. Right. I mean, he's, he, the way we have him. I mean, I think we had him. What did we have? Eighty hit, eighty power on him. It's eighty hit, seventy power. 70 power. Eighty hit, seventy power. I mean, so you you if you listen to this podcast, you know how special that is yes and then i remember the first time i saw that ben badler who does the blue jay system put an 80 hit tool on vlad i was like did he mean to do this this was a few years ago i think did he mean to do this but i mean if there's a guy who has an 80 hit tool i mean it's vlad i just i by coincidence and determination i saw him i think every day in the fall league that i was there last year <laughs> um, it was not coincidence <laughs> it was partially coincidence some days i was chasing matchup and vlad he happened to play for that team yeah but it struck me the ease with which he turned on, you know, above average to plus or better pitches. Mm -hmm. I remember the first game I saw there, um, he was facing a sidewinder throwing 97. Okay, this will be this will be something. First pitch, 97 in on his hands. He turns on it like it's 50 miles an hour, yeah. and he knew what was coming. Just served it into left field for a double. That wasn't even a challenge for mm -hmm. him. He, yeah, he hasn't been getting challenged that. a lot. Uh... It, it, it had been, it had been as if goes. you or I were pitching to him, <laughs> and he was just, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and we touched on this a little bit earlier, but, JJ, I want to go back to this since you've been around BA for a little bit longer than myself and Josh. Who is the last guy? <laughs> who is the last guy who either was a consensus, every single person who's voting puts him number one, and if not that, who's the guy who's been no, the closest? We Chris mentioned Chris Bryant. Bryan. I don't think Chris Bryant. I think that's the last one I can remember. I don't remember us having any argument mm -hmm. that didn't have Chris Bryant coming out of college was one of the top three, top two, top three guys in that draft class. Mm -hmm. He was our college player of the year. He hit a bazillion homers in a year where he out hit many that the bats at that point, home runs were impossible. Yeah. And so he hit more home runs than many teams did in college that year. Then he goes to pro ball and after a very nice debut, you know, a little cup of coffee his first season, he basically blitzes the minors the next year. He's our easy pick as minor league player of the year. Mm -hmm. That there's really there wasn't much left that you there wasn't many, the questions that Bryant faced at the time were how good is the third baseman is he going to be? And you know he strikes out a lot. You know is that going to be mm -hmm. uh, is that going to hold him down a little bit? Yeah. And really, the answer was no. But but that would be the last one where it was like you know. And again, there have been 
There have been consensus guys before. It's rare, though. It is mm -hmm. rare when you have a consensus guy. Consider that we're coming off a year in which we had we ended our first process with Otani, Acuna, and Vlad Jr. Vlad Jr. in a three-way tie at the top. That mm -hmm. we had to get you know one more person who hadn't yet submitted his vote yeah. in to break that tie before we got. And to, by the way, that was one of those. You want to talk about one of those years? It's like. Yes, yes, and yes. Yeah. So we had the AL Rookie of the Year and our Baseball America Rookie of the Year, the NL Rookie of the Year, and the guy who was our consensus number one prospect this year who, let's just make clear, everyone knows could have played last year in the majors. Mm -hmm. And probably given Otani a pretty good run for uh, AL Rookie of the Year. Yeah. I mean, these, those three, uh, plus these three that were, are coming up for your, your Eloy, Vladdy, and Tatis. Uh, and Tatis. Those three are all going to be in the major leagues this year, barring injury. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be in the majors for a long time uh, this year, I mean. Yeah. Compare that to the wave we had last year with Acuna, Soto, and Otani. And it's just stupid, the level of talent that is coming into the majors at such young age in such a short span of time. It's hard to fathom. Yeah. I, I can't come up with enough superlatives <laughs> to tell you what we're witnessing right now. No, it is exciting. And, and you mentioned Eloy and Tatis, and I want to get down the list throughout this conversation, but I think it's worth talking about here, especially since you guys are here. that was a good debate. Yeah, and because you guys both voted for different people for two and three, Eloy and Tatis Lift. JJ, I believe you had Eloy number two. Josh, you had Fernando Tatis number two. Um, this is obviously closer than the debate for number one, but really quickly, can you guys just give me your pitch for your guy at number two? JJ, I guess you can take this one to start. We are the anti-ESPN, or this is, <laughs> this is the anti-Skip, you, know, uh, you know, especially the old days of Skip and Stephen A, because mm -hmm. I thought it was very close, and the more I think about it, I'm actually happy with the way we turned it out, yeah. because the reality is, is that... If you haven't seen the list, we'll go ahead and spoil it. Tatis is number two, Eloy is number three. But and that's that's a flip. Yeah. I believe that last year we had Eloy ahead, hmm. and which may seem strange because Eloy Jimenez did about everything that you could do offensively. He was hurt a little bit, but other yeah. than that, I mean, my reasons for putting Tatis over Eloy were pretty simple: or he plays shortstop, yeah. and he plays it well enough to stay there. Uh, and also, you know, he ended the year with the broken, I want to say, hand or something. Um, He's going off in the Dominican League right now, the, the Winter League. So it tells me that he's, he's healed up and this is not uh, going to affect him long term, or it doesn't appear that way. Mm -hmm. So I'll take the middle infielder over the corner outfielder and possibly a guy who has to move out of corner outfield. Right. I think that you could fairly say that Eloy has more offensive potential. Yeah. But that said, if Tatis can be a grade worse hitter, and a grade worse in power than Eloy. He could do that and still be a more valuable player because mm -hmm. you're getting that from solid shortstop defense. And again, eventually, he's a big guy. If eventually, he's, he's gotten faster since he you know became a pro. Mm -hmm. If at age 28, he moves to third base, he's still going to be really good there. You know, they, Whereas Eloy, who keeps getting bigger, and I don't mean in a, this is not a, uh, a Billy Butler going back a few years, kind of getting bigger, but mm -hmm. you know, but he is getting larger and larger. He's just a massive man. Remember, these players we're talking about are still so young; they're not done growing. Mm -hmm. These so, are these are not men yet. But so, with that being the case, and he's already, uh, you know, he's a fringe average defender in left field at best. So he's a left fielder is not going to provide much defensive value, and then eventually a DH or first baseman, maybe. Well, yeah, you. You take the shortstop. Yeah, no doubt. 
And if you look through our top 10, there are not a ton of pitchers there. Uh, pitchers in general are a little bit riskier. You've talked about this at length. I'm sure both of you have, either on Twitter, the podcast, and different stories on Baseball America. But I know I couldn't skip Forrest Whitley without Josh maybe throwing a fit or even leaving the room. He's our top-ranked pitcher. I think Josh is the highest of anyone in the office, at least as far as I'm aware of. Um, but with Whitley, uh, and the other pitcher in our top 10 is Jesus Lazardo with the Athletics. But with Whitley, was he the obvious top arm? in this top 100 list for us, Josh? I think it was an easier call for me, mm -hmm. but if they had similar careers, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Lizardo gets lost, I think, because he, he well, first of all, he didn't have the God mode he, that uh, Whitley did in the Fall League, mm -hmm. but all year, I mean, he's, what, 20 years old? He went all the way to AAA. He, he probably could make a... Uh, a run at some some, uh, some innings in the big leagues this year, mm -hmm. depending on how uh, risky the A's want to get with him. But his season, if you took Vlad out of the equation, if you, <laughs> it would have been a nice argument between uh, Lazardo would have had a case for minor league player of the year. Wander Franco would have had a case for minor league player of the year. The argument wouldn't have taken two seconds. Yeah, uh, I'm saying probably 85 to 90 percent of the players on this list. Mm -hmm. I've said this before. Yeah. Jose Fernandez in 2011, Forrest Whitley October 2008. The pit pitchers, right? Pitchers, pitchers. Okay, pitchers. Because I was going to say, you and Ronald Acuna. Obviously, the stuff speaks for itself. Is it, is it just as simple as the stuff is that good and that well-rounded? Uh, Change-up is a 70. You could talk about a slider being a 6 or a 7. I mean, Jay-Z said it best. The boys got more 6s than first grade. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk about Wonder like, Franco. Like, thumbs up on the Jay-Z <laughs> Yeah. We, we can't talk about every single Wonder Franco, Let's whether talk you like about it or not. Franco. Number four, he was outside of this top three tier that we were just discussing. Yeah, I mean, this is young front. Wander Franco. <laughs> if, if we, I, just to, just to explain his hit tool is, I called JJ into my office yesterday to take a look at some video of Wander mm -hmm. Franco. That is how rare that happens. Mm -hmm. I saw him five games, five, five, five games total. Much better numbers in that league than Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who tore that league to shreds. In rookie ball, in his first season as a 17-year-old, to be this high on this list. Um, yeah, I'm pressing it as probably too strong with guys in the past, but mm -hmm. like we were very aggressive with Vlad Jr. when he, I think he went up to 20. Um, I think it was like he went from the 90s to 20, and then last year he was in the top, you know, mm -hmm. in the top three, top three, number one discussion. But what Franco did is so unusual that I really struggle to come up with a guy who, you know, who kind of did that. Like, he was really too young for that league by, mm -hmm. by most, you know, by most standards. He was if, more than three years younger than the average hitter in the league. More than three years younger than the average hitter or pitcher that, you, you know, that you, pitchers he was facing in the league. Mm -hmm. If he'd have spent the whole year, which would have been absurd, but if he'd have spent the whole year in the GCL, that would have been a semi-aggressive assignment because most July 2 signees, the best ones like him often do this, but most go to the DSL the first year and they're in the Appy League, but it really to be by far the best player in the mm -hmm. league. Bowling Green or Port Charlotte, because I don't know if Bowling Green is... Not necessarily a Bowling Green, but... The Midwest League is the weather. Burr, it's going to be cold. It's going to be freezing. Of that. But other than that, you know, I, I know I talked to a scout last year I mm -hmm. at that moment. Uh-huh. I mean, let's put it this way. He's going to be 18 right now yeah. to announce that pick. 
Because yeah, no there's good, there's some good players in this class, but Wander darn near close. He's yep. You just every day you see something with him that you DC, and we are I I, I gasped. I said to for the cycle or five for five for five, and it's hit for the cycle with two home runs. Yeah, he put up some gaudy numbers. Three. For, uh, that's pretty outstanding. But kind of moving down the list, I'd say one of the guys who surprised me to Robles, and he's a guy that I got to dig into a little bit more as I did the Nationals Top 30 for our prospect. Robles is a guy who we had talked about kind of in comparison with Joe Adele previously within the office. Kind of the league, he's a guy who misses the top 10 just barely at number 11, uh, but they're worse doing this year. Um, so it's not to knock him, and number 11 on this list is very impressive, but brought up that maybe had to do with dropping him a little bit. We'll have a piece of this hopefully up tomorrow. But the thing that jumps out, and we, you know, one of the, the one of the pieces of this, many pieces of information as we can to yeah. put together all these lists. And when I say that, we're as ourselves as we can. We're going to get every piece of analytics information. Like I always like to say that we and the prospect community at large does not get our much higher than it was 10, 15 years ago because there's a lot more information. But one of the things we were able to get because he got to the big leagues is as a starting point was it was. 82.3, 83, it, two years now, for the research and all, it stand, it, it stabilizes pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and say, hey, how much of a concern should we be concerned about this? Oh, yeah, you know, his, his minor league exit velos aren't, mm-hmm. aren't that much different than that. So, okay, that doesn't go early, but like <laughs> a guy like Ender Inciarte has exit velos a little bit better. He's very young. He's had injuries. We would expect that he's going to consist several miles an hour. That puts you in the Ender and Ciarte range, which is base running, the ability to get on base because he crowds the plate, which also makes him a little injury prone because he gets hit. Talking about these other guys, these other guys that he is mixed with, he is bells of the world. Everyone else that we're talking about really impacts the baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a fascinating conversation, and you probably could be tricked if you just looked at his uh, uh, a news story begins to unfold a little bit. But let's kind of keep moving down the list and move into some of these second-tier absolute studs. You get further into the list, uh, there are some guys who come up that have some maybe 30 range on our list. There are a few pitchers that you can maybe critique a little bit more. And obviously, we've talked about it before, we'll continue to talk about it. Guys like Alex Reyes, Mitch Keller, Michael Kopech. Remember, there's just a fascinating conversation when we were all tier arms up. And what are you kind of looking for to, to have these guys separate themselves? Well, once he gets one out in the big leagues this year, he's no longer a prospect. Mm-hmm. But it was an oblique this year, I think. Um, he's had the TJ. <clears throat> and that's all it is for him. The stuff is very, very good. Mm-hmm. But he just hasn't stayed healthy for an extended period of time. Michael Kopech last year, he made a breakthrough um, with his changeup mm-hmm. at AAA and got to the big leagues. And the only thing that could stop him was rain mm-hmm. and then his elbow blowing up. Um, but you, know, you have to wait another year to see him. Um, and then Keller is a little different. Um, more on the further development of that third pitch changeup. Mm-hmm. The fastball in that upper echelon. Mm-hmm. And by ranking him where we did, I think we collectively as a group... How much injuries like this, Michael Kopech, how much does that actually drop you when you've got guys that have the stuff that he does with the track? I think you have to fall at least a little bit till we see her on the mound again and healthy and throwing the same because... Examples of guys. I mean, the last time I studied it, last time I've read other people studying it, you're looking at 15%, maybe 20%, but let's say 10 to 15% of guys mm-hmm. who have TJ do not afford. Now, some of that is is you have guys who unfortunately blow out again. I mean, Jared Parker. Parker was a 
premium, premium prospect. And then when you say could not stay healthy, I mean, it was, I believe, multiple TJs, if I remember correctly. Johnny Venters, for very long uh, increments. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's keep moving down then. We haven't talked about any catchers to this point. Kiebert Ruiz is the top catcher on this list. Check out the list to find out exactly. Francisco Mejia were guys that were in that conversation. Danny Jensen a little bit further behind that. Fascinating discussion for me because I actually got to see Joy Bart in person kind of uh, before the draft with Georgia Tech when he came up and played in the ACC here on the triangle. Um, and I feel like their for each are very fascinating, especially when you kind of see how catchers have been getting and the, the offensive numbers that catchers have posted at the major league level recently as levels being at this point. So kind of what is the argument for Joey Bart and for Francisco Mejia at the Georgia Tech? I saw mm-hmm. all I need, a, a good chunk of what I needed based on the video you shot of him this year. Yeah. And what struck out to me was just how much of a warrior he is behind the plate. Mm-hmm. That guy has absolutely no fear. He took a ball off his shin at some point during the game, obviously in pain. But for the rest of that game, he was nose in the dirt, blocking, receiving. He was inexplicably in the Salem <laughs> Kaiser the rest of the season to hit 13 home runs. But you know, you know the rigors of a of a full minor league season and eventually major league season. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and the kind of conviction you have in Bart's defensive ability and his odds to stick at catcher, whereas Mejia full time moving forward. So how much does that hurt a guy like Mejia's value if he's if he has to move from up? End up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to put you on the spot for a second. Yeah, let's do. Being one of the best catching prospects. In pro baseball, mm-hmm. top catching prospect in college, easy pick I think is the number one prospect in the draft. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, I think that's a Bobby Witt fan. I so know you I are. wouldn't put a huge golf, but yes, I see your point. I, I, I'm again illness that was not going to have any long term ramifications, but he missed number one. I okay. think he is his resume already it's is very like, impressive. I've already put on the resume. Bart and Rushman is Rushman heads and shoulders above. You know, if they were in the same class. Most people would favor Rushman. I think he's just that special of a prospect. I think question the hit tool. Is it going to be an average hit tool? Is it going to be more of a fringe average hit tool where he gets to some value with that power? Maybe a tick less power. Uh, but the, the conviction that you can have in Adley Rushman's hit tool based on much more confident that Adley's going to hit than Joey Bart is going to hit. And because I think they're... The Rushman also, with Oregon State and CNT, he has the... Adult, he's handled plenty of arms. Uh, Bart's kind of still working up through that, and he'll continue to handle better, right? That's kind of what separates him from Bart, at least in this discussion amongst Correct. those two. He's a, he's a hitter no matter what. If you had the choice at the top of that draft, do you take Rutschman or do you? Yeah. I mean, I, if you if you just look at where the number one, the guys who are drafted number one, Casey Mice, he's not in that conference. And I want the shortstop. Wander Franco. All right. I mean, like, if we were doing the... Hypotheticals, let's crazier. go. I'll make it crazier. Okay. All of a sudden, we're going we're gonna to make the 2017... 2018 list eligible again. Okay, so obviously Juan Soto moves, who is I think nine on that list, moves up uh, higher if we're re-ranking it. But if you, knowing what we know now, but so last year we were debating Acuna, Vlad, and Otani. Vlad obviously, all those guys helped themselves this past year. Soto, Eloy, Tatis, Wander. Josh, you get one of those guys. You get one of those guys that basically you're betting on their career. Give me the prodigy, Acuna. Uh, I figured that was. I'm looking answer. right at him in this podcast booth. <laughs> and, He's and, the best position player prospect I've ever is, seen. Is the, the the cover he has. Up. But what about you? Carl? Of that group, I mean, I I was thinking of it beforehand. I think I would have to lean Acuna too, just because 
even if he doesn't have the bat that Vlad does, I like the supplemental tools that he has, his ability to play center field or a good corner if he's going to continue staying there. I like his all-around tool set better uh, and his defensive profile. Wander is tempting, honestly, just because if he can stick in the infield and he has the bat that, that we all think he does, like that's a... <laughs> Juan Soto, who had as good a season as we pretty much will ever see in our lifetimes for a teenager in the big leagues. I mean, we've already seen it in our lifetime, Carlos and I, we've seen another pretty special 19-year-old who also played for the Nationals. So, Soto was better. I mean, it was better. I'm just saying. Soto was better. <laughs> we've seen some special ones. I'm saying, but yeah. Soto was better. But, okay, so, I mean, do, you know, again, like my, my soft spot is for I watched Andrew Jones, a 17-year-old. The next year I'm watching him hit homers. So is this series. a Juan Soto versus a Wander Franco? No, Juan Soto versus Vlad Jr. Because in this case... Mm-hmm. I get it with Acuna. You can make the argument with the defensive value. But Juan Soto versus yeah. Vlad Jr., you're basically saying two, <laughs> the two best young, pure hit. And again, like when we had this debate last year, we were debating Vlad, who is coming off of, I think not, he was like mid, you know, like that was what I think where he peaked at before he graduated. Yeah, he was behind Robles at the time. Of the GCL at the time. It's, but now knowing what we know. I feel like it's tempting to take, I don't want to knock Vladdy for not doing that because we all know. But you're not knocking Vladdy. And you know what, I'll take Soto because it's really, really, really hard to block out. You can, I feel, there, there's a lot of cool things that I've gotten to do at BA. I think any rehabs. Congrats, Josh. That's awesome. I mean, awesome. that was <laughs> unbelievable to hear. Yeah. That was, Folks, then they got there was a rainout. No, it was it was it was two, a series of rainouts that was supposed to go a couple days earlier. I believe you're concerned. I got there. It was a doubleheader. It was game. It was you know he played the first game. It went two games. So it's like all right, he's getting a day, whatever. And then at at some point after the game, he got he got promoted to the Nats. And then you're talking to the Nats people the next day, and they're like, I don't think he's coming back. That that's the thing I remember talking to you that next day, and you're like. The impression I get is this is not just a he's filling in. This is a say goodbye, you're not seeing him again, which uh, all the credit in the world to the Nats front office for looking at a dude who had basically at that point less than two months of full season ball under his belt in his career. And they said from high A to the big leagues, yep, it's ready to go. Because if you think this guy is that talented, but you pull the, the trigger that early and you expose it, and he fails in the big leagues. The risk is massive mm-hmm. to what you can do to a guy's self-confidence and career development if you screw with him well, at that age. I think and what it's going to do instead is we talked about the game keeps getting younger. It's going to empower and embolden teams to do this down the road again. Like Because what we saw, again, he's special, but what we saw there is... Juan Soto, immediately, with, again, I can't emphasize this enough, ever soon now. No, the great guys always have been rushed. Why? Because they're just too good for the leagues they're in. Juan Soto was pushed with almost no minor league experience. And it's like, nope, there's just not a league. There's yet to be a league created that is too advanced for him. I come back to, uh, you know, we, we had the, if, if they'd have left Vlad Jr. in AA all year, we would have seen, like, can he hit 400? But if they'd have started Vlad last year in the big leagues, I have very little I have very little worry that he would not be able to figure out his way to hitting, you know, for average. Here's level. a question I'll throw at you guys, uh, just out of nowhere to see. 
Over under on total minor league games played by Juan Soto, 150. It was under. Josh is confident. Comes in confident. 131. 122. So you guys are both I, there was on a, the money. There was a stat That's impressive. I had That's last <laughs> counting home games. He didn't have enough time to get his mail forward. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a guy who was interesting to talk about uh, that I want to jump down. Kind of in the middle of this list is Vidal Brujan. Uh, there were a few guys who were very high on him. I think Ben Badler is the highest on Bruhan. I wish he was here. Little infielders who are kind of fascinating to talk about. I think Bruhan is one of them. Uh, the question I had, I don't want to speak for him, um, but talk to me about Vidal Bruhan, JJ. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think... Since we're talking about him, he comes in at number 64. Right. Um, with me, me with him is especially... Okay, the Rays have a 1,000 second basemen mm-hmm. right now. At the big league level, you have... Okay, you have Christian Arroyo come play second base, and some of them, Brandon Lau came up at the end of the year, and then you have Kian Wong at AAA. But the thing that stands out about Bruhan is most of those, but their main attribute is they can hit in mm-hmm. second base, which which is crew kind of who has enough arm to you know make the throw from when you shift him in the right field, mm-hmm. and but it's it's a it's an offensive position. I think Bruhan is really like, don't, you know, he's a second baseman, but I think he's athletically, he's better than that. Like, yeah. again, he could be a really good second baseman, but I also think that he could be a really good center fielder. I think that there's a chance that he could actually play shortstop mm-hmm. still. Like, I mean, I think that there there's enough there that he, if they wanted to try that, it wouldn't be crazy to say that he could do that. And then you throw on top of that, you're talking about not just speed, but speed that plays on the base path. You're talking about a really advanced bat. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to like there. Yeah. Yeah. So Especially, potential pop-up guy, you heard it here first. I mean... I'll I guess ta- you can't be a pop-up guy if you're arguing. I'll argue that Wander Franco at 90-whatever he was last year to number four is a, has the skill set we're talking about. He can he can field. He can has, he has double plus or better speed. A little bit of power. Career high nine home runs this year between two leagues. If, if he... Sh- and you know, and, and shows it consistently. Mm-hmm. We're talking about someone who could be special in among among a, a lot of very good prospects. Not the top. Closer to the majors than Wander Franco, and I don't think he's pulling Wander Franco out of that number one spot with a crowbar. Well, so. Wander could just jump into the major leagues. Yeah, he could go he'd go all the way. He can pull a Soto and do that. But the point is, you could be talking about a very an elite prospect mm-hmm. very quickly. Which... And I will I want to give a scout. I'm not going to name his name. Credit called me two years ago out of the blue and said, keep an eye on this Vidal Bruhan character. Because he, he caught my eye. Yeah. And this scout, when someone catches his eye, you listen. Because mm-hmm. he's good. There you go. <laughs> he's got an eye. like it's, Superman wants his eyes. Well, shout out to the unnamed scout. Congrats right. on hitting that one. But, but the, the, the thing I wanted to kind of, that, it might be a good way, because we've been going for a while, to kind of, kind of put a bow on this, is yeah. that, that stands out with the Rays, it, with this is, is that, the Rays and the Padres, I mean, we've been doing this for 30 mm-hmm. years, and the Rays and the Padres tied the record this year. They each had nine. The Braves had eight, which is kind of crazy. So basically, more than 25% of the top 100 is limited to three teams, which mm-hmm. I will point out also, the, the Rays and Padres having nine each is really impressive. The Braves have eight, and the Braves also had eight last year. And the Braves also had eight the year before that. Now, some of these, I mean, Mike Soroka has, you know, kind of set up camp on, you know, on this list. Um, you know, there's some guys who have gotten comfortable being in the top 100. Yeah. But 
But that's also Ozzy Albies was on and has graduated. Sean Newcomb was on, has graduated. Ronald Acuna was on, has graduated. Uh, Dancy Swanson was on, has graduated. So it's not just the same guys. They haven't gone eight, three years in a row because the same guys have been on there three years in a mm -hmm. row. So that's really impressive. Like, but you look at this raise list and they not only have nine guys on this list, but they is on the top hundred. Mm -hmm. Some of those, you know, Nick Schnell could, McClanahan, you know, could look good as a starter this year. And all of a sudden we're talking about this list who you could consider as well. Padres kind of the same story. The Padres after like their deep systems, mm -hmm. the Braves a little bit more like, okay, you have those eight. William Contreras, you know, is a guy who, to me, you can make a case, and then we can see Kyle Muller, and we can see there are some guys, but especially those Rays and Padres systems are just really, really good right now. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I wanted to tie in one other thing to the vidal Brujan conversation we had, just because you wrote about it, JJ. I want to give you a chance to plug that if you want to, but Nick Madrigal is a guy who I feel like checks a lot of the same boxes that Brujan does. Uh, if you want to know more about Nick Madrigal and some of the concerns you might have for him moving forward, Feel free to check out BaseballAmerica.com and read the entire piece that J.J. outlined. It's pretty fascinating. But did you want to touch on that anymore or make any comparisons there with Madrigal, just the concerns we might have with him? Although, I should also mention he was safely on this top 100 list. Safely on the top 100. And, again, we have as much information as we can gather. Well, it's insane. So it's always <laughs> like, you know, there's that hour I didn't do this where I could have you know, spent a little more. What we will know... If we're talking a year from now that we don't know right wrist, you know, yeah. during the uh, college season last year, came back, you know, finished the season, sucks. But how much did that affect him? Because that can affect a guy. Yeah. Um, opposite field is your friend. If you're going to hit for high average, you have to be able to use the whole field. Mm -hmm. You know, the opposite field, center field, gives you the ability to hit for average. Mm -hmm. And Nick Madrigal is at the same time, the pull field is also in baseball, no matter who you are, you have to be able to show that if you are challenged with the which you're going to get challenged because everyone throws 95, you're going to show that I can do something with that and I'm going to make you pay for doing that because I want you to give me a fastball. Yeah. And last year, in, in Pro Bowl, according to the spray charts compiled by minor league baseball springers, Nick Madrigal had one hit to left field. Yep. That's now, a little bit concerning. And, now, also, it's great to be able to hit to the opposite field, but... At some point, if you can't pull it, defenses are going to start to shift you. And if they're going to play you there, your, your batting averages, your hit tool, they're start, going to start to suffer. And mm -hmm. unless Major League Baseball does something phenomenally stupid and outlaws the shift in any way, shape, or form, mm -hmm. uh, that's going to be a problem. All field approaches don't, or uh, one field approaches, don't kill only pull hitters. Exactly. Yeah, good point. Uh, and Josh, I'll let you jump in on this if you have any other players that we haven't talked about that maybe you want to mention, a guy towards the back of the list that we haven't touched on uh, that you think maybe deserves some uh, some talking points here. Or we can just wrap it up with that. We've talked about 30 minutes. Uh, it was fun, guys. Uh, but I want to give you both a chance to maybe mention another player, either a player near the back of the list or a guy who just missed who maybe has a, a chance if he uh, does some things right this year with graduations. I think we were lower on a guy like Luis Robert mm -hmm. than maybe the rest of uh, lists will say. I think this year was a weird year for him mm -hmm. in that he was injured all the time, But and then even when I tried to see him in the Fall League. But mm -hmm. the reports you get from the Fall League were that this guy you know, is, is a tool shed. Yeah. And if it all comes together, this could be you know, the guy you spent $26 million on. Yeah. Robert this all year. right, Robert but for Josh. Thing I see, the big thing I want to see from him 
I kind of the big pim is I want him to be better defensively. Like, because mm-hmm. that's the the bat. I think we can explain away somewhat with the injuries, but at the same time, the surprise that we found, I, I think, pretty strongly last year was he was not that good defensively in center, and that's going to be part of his game. I mean, that's going to be you know, the reports we got from multiple scouts were, you know, he's he's a little rough out there right now. Yeah, he's I not mean, as good as Blake Rutherford in center field right now, or especially as Luis Gonzalez. Uh, uh, not uh, yeah, Luis Gonzalez. Luis Gonzalez. You know, I got him and their shortstop who came up uh, uh, at the end of the season with the same. But both of those guys were considered better defenders in center field. And Blake Rutherford's not a center fielder. So that's, I mean, Luis Roberts' tools versus Blake, you know, Blake Rutherford. We mentioned him a little bit, but Alex Kirilov. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a season. I think the year. Yeah. You keep talking about if Vladdy's not here, and I don't even want to consider a world where Vladdy's not here. Well, he's not going to be here doesn't bring the sense of... Uh, Eligible for these lists, but... But Kirilov missed an unbelievable season from Cedar Rapids to uh, Fort Myers. Mm-hmm. And if he keeps doing that in, in, in a double-A, I guess that's Pensacola now, and then Rochester, you're talking about another really special player. I'm going to miss the Twins having the train in Chattanooga. <laughs> well, the train still exists. I know, it's but just, we're not It's the Reds. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, I think we kind of wrapped it up here. We appreciate you guys listening. If you haven't checked out the Top 100, definitely head to BaseballAmerica.com to check that out in its entirety. You can also check out a number of other stories that we've kind of rolled out with that, diving into some of these things. Nick Madrigal's story, there's more coming as well. In addition to the minor league prospects, we've got college preview content coming out, headed up by Teddy Cahill, our uh, college writer and his team. Uh, In addition to that, we had the Hall of Fame announcement that we didn't touch on, and I feel like for the sake of time, we probably won't touch on now. But if you want to find out more about the Hall of Fame class, unanimous Hall of Famer. I got to interject with that. Go ahead, JJ. You're the boss. Fun with last night was, uh, which we'll have two Hall of Famers as of next year because Jeter was Jorge Posada. That's pretty decent. That's I I see a a crazy idea of Bert for down the road, which is is what are the best top tens of baseball America history, which is a frightening research project <laughs> because if you think about it... Well, now you put it out there, so you have to follow through or else you're going to get a lot of angry 1983 tweets. 1983 is the first ones, and we're in 2019, so that is 37 years of top 10s. Even if we just kept the top 10s. Mm-hmm. So that's 37 times, let's just say 28, because we're not... That's a lot <laughs> of top 10s. There you go. So we have plenty of stuff that's been on the site recently, and JJ's got his... 37-year top 10 research project coming up at some point in the uh, untold future. For Josh, for JJ, I'm Carlos Plaza. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.